millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Recycle by Eurosport, a retrospective series on the most compelling, the most controversial and the most extraordinary riders and races in cycling history. Written by Felix Lowe and narrated by me, Graham Wilgos. Last time out, we climbed to the Basilica San Luca with Fiorenzo Magni biting down on an inner tube to distract him from the pain of a broken collarbone. Magni had, despite winning the Giro d'Italia three times, always lived in the shadow of his compatriots, Fausto Coppi and Gino Batali. This time out, we're on the road with Coppi himself and his mythical long-range attack from Cuneo to Pinerolo that helped him win the 1949 Giro d'Italia. Coppi's story begins in the railroad town of Novi Liguri in Piedmont, the former capital of Italian cycling, thanks to its ties with Coppi and another champion of champions, Costante Giradengo. When Coppi moved to Novi Liguri from the nearby village of Castellania to become a delivery boy, legend has it that the house of the two-time Giro champion Girodengo was on his delivery run. Age 13, Coppi had come to a town that lived and breathed cycling. It was while delivering hams, salamis and other items from the delicatessen on a heavy delivery bike with a huge basket that Coppi's love of cycling blossomed. As John Foote in his book Pedalare Pedalare explains, it was the ideal place for a budding cyclist to grow up. For Coppi, his training and work merged into one, and Italy's then most famous cyclist was one of his weekly ports of call. What better motivation than calling in at La Casa di Gerardengo? Then Coppi met the most accomplished and experienced trainer in masseuse in Italy, Biagio Cavana, who famously saw with his hands, and it forever changed the course of cycling history. And cycling history is never something grand tour organisers readily ignore. Take the 2019 Giro d'Italia. Its route recalled the defining moments in the careers of several former champions. Not just Moser's race against the clock in 1984, but Andy Hampston's snow-laden ride up the Gavia in 1988, Marco Pantani's record-breaking ascent of the Mortarola in 2004, and Ivan Basso's two ascents of the same climb en route to his overall wins in 2006 and 2010. Perhaps most significant of all, though, was the route for Stage 12. One day after the finish in Nova Ligure, the Giro marked the 70th anniversary of Coppi's legendary long-range attack from Cuneo to Penarolo by running between the same two Piedmontese towns. John Foote describes Coppi's original move as the most legendary lone break in Italian cycling history. 
In a stage starting in the cold, driving rain in Cuneo and finishing in Pinerolo, more than nine hours later, Coppi rode 192 kilometres alone through the Alps to seize the Maglia Rosa that secured him a third Giro crown in 1949. Coppi flew like a heron, crossing five huge peaks in the lead with his big rival Gino Bartoli in fruitless pursuit. The two eventually separated by almost 12 minutes. In his book Giro d'Italia, Colin O'Brien writes, As his friend Raphael Gaminiani used to say, you didn't need a stopwatch to tie Coppi's lead in those days. The church bell tower would suffice. Italy-based cycling writer Herbie Sykes, author of the acclaimed Giro 100, Maglia Rossa and Coppi, Inside the Legend of the Campionissimo, explains the significance of Coppi's unprecedented ride from Cuneo to Pinerolo. In essence, it's legion because it was the high watermark of cycling history as regards popularity, but also sporting performance. Keep in mind that nothing of that magnitude had ever been attempted before, so purely as regards the scale of the physical demands, it was totally unprecedented. But there is more to Coppi's ride and the effect it had on Italian cycling. The background to those 9 hours and 19 minutes in the saddle are needed to fully comprehend its magnitude, and in particular the rivalry between the devout Bartoli and the divorced Coppi. Both riders divided Italy, with the Tifosi split between Coppiani and Battagliani. If the carefree but health-conscious Coppi, who had served in the Italian army during the Second World War, had appealed to the industrial north, then the religious, conservative and chain-smoking Bartoli, five years older and an outspoken anti-fascist before the war, was a hit with the rural south. It was Bartoli, aged 34, who unified a divided Italy by winning the 1948 Tour de France, ten years after his first Tour triumph, and becoming a genuine national hero in the process. Then came the 1948 World Championships in Valkenburg, when both riders climbed off their bikes rather than help the other. Sykes says this was a seminal moment in Italian sporting history. In essence, the rivalry had become so caustic that each had preferred to lose than to run the risk of the other winning. It suited Bartoli because, following the Tour, he was very much in the ascendancy. Had Coppi won the rainbow jersey, it would have compromised all that, and that in turn would have had a significant impact on his earning potential. For his part, Coppi, as Sykes explains, daren't risk Bartoli winning because he was already much more popular, and adding a rainbow to the yellow would have cemented his greatness and his legend. As a result of their scrap, Bartoli and Coppi were suspended for three months by the Italian Federation, but this had little effect on the expanding depth of Bartoli's pockets. After the 1948 season, Bartoli cleaned up commercially in a way that Beckham, Michael Jordan and Valentino Rossi would, says Sykes. Praised for his devout Catholic virtue, Bartoli's fame grew. Bartoli branded Chianti, clothing, razors, bikes and even scooters became ubiquitous. Coppi kept his rival in check with a third Milan San Remo win before the riders went their separate ways ahead of the Giro. Coppi dominated the Giro di Romagna while Bartoli won the Tour di Romandie. The scene was set for a winner-takes-all showdown in front of the Tifosi. To stage 17 of the 1949 Giro d'Italia then, and Coppi's ride to immortality. What Coppi achieved that day was unlike anything that came before or since. It cemented his campionissimo status and marked a watershed moment in cycling history where the baton was passed from Bartoli to his successor definitively. Entering the 254km stage, 29-year-old Coppi was second in the general classification, 43 seconds down on Aldofo Leone, with Bartoli third. Think of Leone here as Valerio Conti, with the likes of Primoz Roglic and Simon Yates snapping at his heels ahead of the Queen stage in the mountains. He knew full well he'd be giving up the pink jersey in Pinerolo. It was just a question of, to whom? This was about Coppi and Bartoli and their obligation, unwitting or otherwise, to their country's cultural and sporting patrimony, Sykes says in an article for Mondial magazine. In atrocious conditions, 
Coppi made his move early on the Madalena, the first of a gruelling succession of five peaks. The opening climb was the only one that was asphalted, and in preparation for four climbs, the Var, Isoir, Montgenivert and Sestrier, over the Storata tracks, Coppi had made his mechanic mount a 46-24 gear ratio on his bike. Defying heavy rain, Primo Volpi had broken away early. Described deliciously by Coppi's Gregorio, Vittorio Segesi, as recalled by Sykes, as a Tuscan kicker, Volpi was a rider who annoyed Coppi immeasurably. He caught him on the climb, with Bartoli giving chase, but then had to stop to fix an issue with his chain. Volpi and then Bartoli rode past before Coppi remounted and reeled them in, dropping them before the summit and with 192 kilometres remaining. He rode solo over the Var and the Isoir, and the gap on Bartoli, who was forced into a furious and fruitless pursuit, according to the writer Daniel Freeb in Mountain High, was pushing seven minutes on Mont Genevre, eight minutes at Sestriere, and a whopping 11 minutes 52 seconds at the finish in Pinerolo. Part of what made Coppi's ride so mythical that day was the fact that it occurred in the pre-TV era, making the written and spoken word all that remains of its devastating brilliance. Rather than grainy images of Coppi soloing to victory, what immortalised his odyssey were the words of Mario Ferretti, Rise Radio broadcaster, who began his commentary with the words which would be forever associated with Coppi's career. Con uomo solo e al comando, le sue maglie e bianco celeste, il suomo nome e Fausto Coppi. It perhaps doesn't sound so poetic in English, but roughly translated, a single man is in command, his shirt is white and blue, his name is Fausto Coppi. In his Mondial article, Sykes writes that these words would come to define an era not only in Italian sport, but in Italian history. It's as ubiquitous as Kenneth Wollstone-Holmes' Some People Are On The Pitch, and it embodies the high watermark of cycling's popularity. Never before had the sport been so good, and never again would it so enrapture the European public. What was so impressive about Coppi's ride was that, take him out of the equation, and Bartoli's performance would have been considered extraordinary in itself. Bartoli, the stage runner-up, had arrived in Penarolo almost eight minutes clear of Alfredo Martini in third place, and yet ended the stage 23 minutes down on his great rival Coppi in the overall standings, with Coppi now in pink. In one of his most celebrated pieces, the Italian novelist Dino Buzzati found a metaphor in Homer's epic final battle between Achilles, Coppi, and Hector, Batali, in which the stronger Achilles, favoured by Zeus, coldly slays Hector. Describing Bartoli's doomed pursuit, Buzzati also wrote, He was caked in mud, his face grey with earth and static in effort. He pedalled, pedalled, as though something horrendous was giving chase, and he knew that getting caught would mean all hope was lost. Time, nothing but irreparable time, was giving chase, and what a spectacle it was, that man alone in the wild gorge, fighting a desperate battle against the years. Off the back of the victory, and in particular those words by commentator Ferretti, plays, exhibitions, concerts, films, photographs, monuments, plaques, street signs, museums, archives and books have all been created. So what happened next? Coppi would win the third of his five Giro crowns by 23 minutes and 47 seconds over Batali. In July, the two riders were teammates in the Italian squad at the Tour de France, with a confident Coppi supposedly offering Bartoli stage 16, as well as the race lead, as a 35th birthday gift, before winning the next day to leapfrog his teammate in the standings. Coppi held the Maillot Jaune from there to Paris, where he became the first man in history to secure the Giro Tour double, a feat he repeated three years later. Coppi would crash out of the 1950 Giro, where Bartoli finished runner-up behind the Swiss charmer Hugo Cobley in his absence. 
Bartoli never won a Grand Tour again, while Coppi would add two Giro wins and a Tour de France, as well as a Paris-Roubaix, a fifth Giro di Lombardia, and the Rainbow Jersey, in 1953. When Coppi's younger brother, Cersei Coppi, the 1949 Paris-Roubaix winner, died after a cycling accident in 1951, Coppi's rivalry with Bartoli, whose own younger sibling, Giulio, had died in a similar accident years before, thawed. During the 1952 tour, Coppi and Bartoli were pictured sharing a bottle of water on the Isoard, although they never agreed on whom had given the other the bead on. It was sort of implicit that the Cuneo-Pinarolo ride would settle the argument once and for all, says Sykes. Of course, it didn't, and, given the five years' age difference, never could have. It doesn't alter the fact, however, that Coppi did something superhuman that day, and that subsequent events served simply to underscore the magnitude of it. There has never been, says Sykes, an individual sporting performance even remotely as significant. Italy's wait for an heir to copy continues, and is unlikely to end any time soon. Vincenzo Nibali is perhaps the closest comparison today, with victories in all grand tours and two different monuments. His solo Stage 20 win in the 2019 Tour de France was impressive, but he is never likely to pull off something as epic in length as Coppi's exploits between Cuneo and Pinarello. In that sense, perhaps the closest performance we have seen in terms of replicating Coppi's legendary ride came in 2018 from Chris Froome, whose 84km solo attack on the Fenestra saw the Britons stay clear on the climb to Sestriere before securing both the stage and the Maglia Rossa in Bardonecchia. Herbie Sykes agrees. My belief is that Froome's stage in 2018 was, in purely sporting terms, a modern-day version. It wasn't so far off as regards execution, though of course the electricity it generated could never match Coppi in 1949. There were, of course, other differences. Coppi's Grigari did not wipe out Leone the same way as Team Sky wiped out Simon Yates, but Froome's attack did recast that stage, and the Giro as a whole, as a race between him and Tom Dumoulin, just as Coppi's attack made it a race between him and Bartoli. For me, Froome's ride was worthy of Coppi, and also of Eddie Merckx. Lance Armstrong never accomplished anything remotely like that, and nor did Eno, Limond, or Indurain, says Sykes. Then again, as Sykes is quick to stress, Froome and Dumoulin's rivalry is nothing compared to that of the two Italian greats. What Froome achieved that day, he says, even if it did deliver him a grand slam of grand tour wins, did not define an era, a sport, or indeed a country the way that Fausto did. A Cuneo to Pinarolo stage at the Giro evoking Coppi's ghost is nothing new. Franco Bitosi won such a stage in 1964, and Giuseppe Cerrone did the same in 1982. On the 60th anniversary of Coppi's solo break, the Giro returned with a light version. It included climbs of Moncenisio, Sestriere and Pramartino, won by the controversial Danilo Di Luca. Prior to the stage, a plaque was placed at the precise point at which Coppi had attacked on the Maddalena. The ceremony was held in the presence of his two children, Marina and Faustino, and Claudio Ferretti, the son of Mario Ferretti, the radio reporter whose name was also, and forever, linked to that day's racing. They've been evoking Cuneo Pinarolo ever since, says Sykes, but it doesn't really matter who wins it. The only thing that matters is 1949. Was 2019's route, featuring just one climb, a disappointment when compared to the profile of that stage 70 years ago? I don't think it was a cop-out per se, says Sykes, and whatever they do, they can't replicate it. Ultimately, though, the modern Giro is all about cash. Everything else is really collateral to that. You could say that Sykes is bang on the money. In fact, the reason the Giro came to Pinarolo in 2019 was not so much to celebrate Coppi's memory, argues Sykes, as much as because of the money on offer from Elvio Chiatellino, a rich cycling aficionado from Pinarolo who owns a host of nursing homes and wanted his name associated with a stage finish. That doesn't mean that Coppi wasn't central to proceedings. 
In 2019 alone, there are at least 15 books published about Il Campionissimo in Italy. It's an industry, argues Sykes, that is immune to recession and often to good taste. In the preface to his own book on copy, Sykes makes the following observation about the steady flow of copy-themed books. When you live in copies Piedmont and have an interest in bike racing, the books come to assume pretty much the same status as bottles of the local plonk. Nobody ever seems to buy them, and yet somehow they proliferate. But Sykes also says that it has only been through living in Italy that he realised what set copy apart from the other riders considered great, such as Merckx, Eno and Oncatil. Now I understand that copy informs everything that Italian sport is, says Sykes, and that nobody, not anybody, better embodies the Italian century. This has been another episode of Recycle by Eurosport, written by Felix Lowe and rated by me, Graham Wilgos. This episode was produced by Pete Burton. You can read more from Felix on Twitter at Saddleblaze, and you can hear more from me at Graham Wilgos. Plus, you can follow Eurosport at Eurosport underscore UK. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Join us for our next episode when we'll be looking back to the day the hard men cried, American Andy Hampston's defiant ride against the elements on the Gavia in his 1988 Giro d'Italia win. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, share and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.